I was afraid we were going to have a hard time getting anybody out of the foyer this morning into the church. <laughs> a lot of good stuff out there, right? Well, you can visit it afterwards, and uh, wow, I had a hard time pulling myself away. I just had to say, walk away, Mark. Just walk away. <laughs> it's my privilege this morning to share with you from the Word of God. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we pray that your spirit would lead this portion of the service this morning. I pray, Lord, that the meditations of my heart and the words that come forth will be provided by the anointing of the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, for ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds that will be open to the truths of your word. And we pray, Lord, that through the word of God, by the spirit of God, that our lives will be transformed by it through the renewing of our minds that we might know what is and live in the perfect and acceptable will of God. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. I would invite you to, in, to take your Bibles with me this morning and turn in them to Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, you've probably noticed that we have provided some in the pew for you, and that you can find um, the portion of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. This morning, I want to talk to you about prayer, one of the most difficult topics that I have to preach on, but I believe the Lord has led me to talk to us about prayer. Prayer is so important in our lives and yet it is so multifaceted, it is hard to, it's hard to nail down everything in one sermon. And so keep that in mind as I share with you this morning that probably some things will be left out because it's so multifaceted. And yet there is one thing Jesus talked about that I want to share with you this morning that I think is important. Charles Allen in his book, Cha Prayer Changes Things, says about prayer, prayer is need finding a voice, embarrassment seeking relief, a friend in search of a friend, knocking on a barred door, reaching out through the darkness. As I read that, I just felt like that was an excellent description of prayer, don't you think? And when you study prayer in the Bible, you, do, you discover that Jesus had some very, very specific things that he wanted to say about prayer. What we also discover as you read about prayer in Scripture is that oftentimes Jesus says things about prayer that sometimes we scratch our heads and we go, that's weird. I don't quite. He teaches us some things that maybe we haven't understood about prayer or some of the ways that we pray. And that's what I've discovered in this portion today. It's enlightening to me that when, when the disciples were following, who were following Jesus came to him and said in 
verse 1 of chapter 11. Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. That Jesus had some very, very specific things to say about prayer. And so in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is going to talk about our biggest frustration in prayer. That's what this portion is talking about. There are many other things that he said about prayer. But in this portion, he's going to talk about one of our biggest frustrations in prayer. And I think that this morning we will all identify with what he is saying. Which is, why is it? Why is it that when we surrender ourselves to God, why is it that we can ask for things that we, we truly believe is God's will, but we don't get it, and it doesn't happen? Things that we think should happen, that we believe is the will of God to happen, but he doesn't do it. And we don't see the answer, or at least the one that we're looking for. And we say, well, that's unfair. It's frustrating. And so a lot of people, honestly, because of that, they give up praying. They, they, they stop seeking God's word. They, they think that, well, he didn't do it this time, and it's unfair, and so... I'm just going to not try anymore. I think you probably know people like that. I do. And here's the good news. <clears throat> and this is why we should read our Bible, because the Bible clarifies these things. And, and Jesus is going to address this very frustration. And the reason he addresses it is because he knew that someday all of us would experience it. If I had a raise of hand this morning, and I won't, I'm sure that 90% of us would raise our hands and say, yeah, I've prayed for stuff and I've prayed a long time and it doesn't seem like heaven hears me and I don't, I don't see the answer and I don't understand why this or that or the other thing happened and because I prayed that it wouldn't happen and it did. you know what I mean? I think you understand. I think we can relate to that. You see, Jesus knew that when we pray, we would at times get frustrated with the results and, and we might even jump to the conclusion that maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe there's something wrong with God. But Jesus comes along and he says, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, this is a common experience and there's nothing certainly wrong with God. And so here in Luke chapter 11, on one occasion when Jesus had been praying, when he finished, <clears throat> in verse one, one of his disciples said to him, we don't know which one, was it one of the 12 or was it one of the congregation of disciples that followed him? One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Uh, Jesus We've been watching you. We've, we've, we've been seeing you pray. We've all grown up praying and we've said our prayers. We've memorized prayers. I mean, we're good Jewish boys, right? We've memorized prayers, but 
when we watch you pray, it's different. When we hear you pray, it's, it's somehow different. And we've noticed that you go off by yourself to pray and, and, you're, and you're there for a long time, sometimes all night long. And we're asking one another, what is he saying to God all that time? I mean, how long can you talk to God? <laughs> I mean, we say our prayers like it takes three minutes, you know, health, job, food, family, amen. So what are you saying? What are you doing? And Jesus says, and Jesus does not say, it's easy to pray. <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't need to teach you how to pray. Just talk to God. Just talk to God. It's simple. He didn't say that, did he? But Jesus goes on to tell them some very specific things. He says, okay. In fact, he says, okay, I'm gonna teach you how to pray. That struck me this week. I guess we can be taught how to pray. That's the point. Jesus says, okay, I'm gonna teach you some things about prayer. So therefore, we can be taught how to pray. So it's not just, it's easy, just talk. Apparently, there's some, some things that we can do to be more effective in our prayer life. He doesn't give them the whole bag he gives them one thing. Now listen to what he says in verses two to four. <clears throat> and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And after we're done reading that prayer, we think to ourselves and maybe the disciples thought to themselves, Wait a minute, Jesus, you said it wrong. You said the prayer wrong. It's give us this day our daily bread. And it's forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You're supposed to close with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right? We say, Jesus, you didn't say the prayer right. Jesus, you messed up. It's pretty simple to figure out, by the way. First of all, this is a different occasion when they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. So there's two different occasions when they, when they ask him this question. And when they ask him this time, it's, it's like he says, and I'm going to just kind of read into what I think is happening here. It's like Jesus says, okay, guys, you've, you've heard this before. I've... I've taught you this lesson before, but since you asked again, you're just, you're, you're supposed to say, God, you're highly exalted. I want you to have rule over my rule and over my life, and I need some other stuff too, amen. Now, obviously, I've vastly paraphrased what he just said and, and not wanting to sound sacrilegious or, or too simplistic in, in saying that. That's pretty much what he said. And it's amazing when they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, <clears throat> you know, he could have said any number of things about prayer. 
There are a lot of things to be said about prayer. There are volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of books written on prayer, and we still haven't covered the whole subject. I have at least six books in my office on prayer. They all talk about some, some different aspect of prayer. And so Jesus could have talked about all kinds of facets of prayer. Instead, he gave them this synopsis. And then he launches in on a longer discussion about the thing that frustrates us most about prayer, which is what happens when we don't get what we think we need or want from God. And if he hadn't have explained that, probably you and I would go away either thinking something is wrong with us or something is wrong with God. And this is what he taught about prayer. First of all, he taught that persistent prayer moves the heart of God. Listen to what he says in verse five. And he said, in other words, Again, I'm reading between the lines. In other words, guys, since we're on the topic of prayer, since we're, since we're gonna delve into this topic again, I've told you how to pray. Now let me give you this scenario, <clears throat> okay? That kind of sets it up. He goes on to say in verse five, which of you, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. And so he says, you've got this friend who, who comes and visits you at your home. It's really late, it's midnight. He's been traveling a long day. He needs something to eat. Guess what? You're fresh out of food. <laughs> you've run out of bread. Bread was a staple in Israel in those days. He's run out of bread, so he goes next door to his friend. It's a friend, somebody he's a, he knows well. He knocks on the door, knocks on the door, knocks on the door. And finally, he hears this voice from inside, leave me alone. Me and my family, my kids, my wife, we're all in bed, and I, I can't get up. I can't help you with anything. I, I, I can't help you. Go away. And now the disciples were, are saying to themselves, uh, were, were we not talking about prayer? <laughs> and, and Jesus goes, hang on. It's one of those kind of stories, right? Verse seven, he continues. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Leave me alone. We're all in bed. Don't bother me. And now in verse eight, Jesus is talking. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence or his persistence, the guy at the door, his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. That little word persistence means that even though this guy wouldn't get up and give him some bread because he was a friend, the fact is because the guy is gonna stand there and knock on the door and continue to knock on the door and wake up all the neighbors and cause the dogs to bark and the cats to meow and he's not gonna give up, 
that the guy's gonna give up, get up and give him some bread. Persistence. Out of frustration, the guy gets up, hands him some bread, says, here, take it, get out of my way. I gotta go back to bed, right? Persistence. And Jesus says that even if he's not gonna do it out of friendship, but he does it out of irritation, he finally does it, and he gives this guy some bread. Now, let me tell you something about parables. A parable is a story that represents a group of people or persons, and so usually in a parable, somebody represents us, and in a parable, somebody represents God, right? Some of them are easier to figure out than others. For example, like the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. If you're unfamiliar with the parable, to summarize, one of the two sons takes his inheritance early from the father, and he goes out and he squanders the entire thing, ends up living in a pig uh, barn, eating what the pigs are eating, a good Jewish boy, and and he goes, I need to go home. I need to ask forgiveness from my father and I need to work as one of his slaves. And so he goes home and his father sees him from afar and he welcomes him home with outstretched arm and he throws a big party for him. And you read the story and you go, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm the prodigal son. I'm the one who has been disobedient. I'm the one coming back to the father. And the father represents God who welcomes me with outstretched arms, right? So that's an easy one to kind of figure out. But this one is a little bit more confusing. And the disciples are asking themselves, I think, because probably we're asking ourselves the same thing. So who do you think is us? Because prayer is like the guy knocking on the door trying to get something to eat, trying to get some bread. And you say, okay, that's me. That's us. We're knocking on the heaven's door. But that would make God, whoa. God is the grumpy guy in the house who's saying, don't bother me. And we think, no, that can't be God. That's not like God. That's not the characteristic of God. He's not like that. You know, Jesus actually tells another parable that is very similar to this one in Luke chapter 18, verse one. It starts out by saying, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And I'm sure you remember the story that that he goes on to tell the parable of an unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God and there's a widow who needs this unrighteous judge to come to her defense and so she comes to the judge and the judge goes again paraphrasing get out of my face I don't have time for this I'm not going to deal with you just go away but she keeps coming back Uh, Day after day, she keeps coming back and he keeps saying, go away, don't bother me, I don't have time. And finally, out of frustration, the judge goes, okay, just to get this lady off my case, I'm gonna do whatever she wants to do. And he didn't do it because he cared about her, but he did it so that she would leave him alone. 
And again, we look at the parable and we say, oh, oh, I know who they are. I'm the widow. I'm coming for help. I'm coming for justice. I need God's help. And I'm the guy knocking on the door, looking for some bread. And then we think, Jesus, you're not making God look very good here. Because God is like the grumpy guy in the house who doesn't want to get up to answer the door to give the guy bread. And he's like the unrighteous, ungod-fearing judge who helps the lady just to get her to leave him alone. And we go, that's weird. That's weird, right? Am I crazy? That's kind of weird. (laughs) And yet as we listen to the parable, the moral becomes very clear. Which is that if we need something from God, we just keep knocking on the door and asking until eventually he gets up and gives us what he needs. That's weird, isn't it? It's just kind of weird. But the more I think about it, the more I pondered this, the more it began to make sense to me. me. Let me give you an example. Remember in the days when you had to go to the store and rent a DVD to play a movie? Do you you remember those days? And if you couldn't afford a DVD player, by the way, because they were so expensive, you could rent one of those also from the DVD store. We had just moved to Charlottetown PEI. We had just moved into a rented house. Our stuff was everywhere. We had, we, it had been a long go. And uh, one day, our three boys came to me and said, hey, Dad, we're bored. We don't have any friends. We don't know what to do. Could we go to the DVD store and rent a movie? And I said, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to go out and rent a movie. It's, I'm, 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 I'm tired. I don't know where the DVD store is. I didn't know the area before GPS, by the way. (laughs) So you either had to find it on a map or you just went looking for it. I said, no, 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 I'm not gonna go traveling around, wasting my gas looking for a movie. Guess what they kept doing? Persisting, knocking on the door. Dad, dad, come on, can't we go rent a movie? Finally, I said, okay, get in the car. (laughs) So we got in the car and we drove around town until we finally found a DVD store and rented a movie. Now, my love for them wasn't any less or any more before that or after that. I didn't think to myself, um, wow, I don't want a relationship with them anymore. (laughs) But... Every once in a while, they would come and they would keep begging me about something and, they would say, and I would say, okay, get in the car. And of course, every human illustration breaks down after a while when you're comparing it to God. But what is that in me? What is that in me? Where did that come from? Is it an accident or a coincidence that Jesus says, when you pray, you say, our Father, Could it be, could it be that that thing in me that loves my children and allows me, allows me to let them talk me into stuff, the thing 
in me that causes me to change my mind when I said no, could it be in some way a reflection of the thumbprint of God in me as a father? You read this parable and you say, well, it must be because it's so weird. It's so strange. But here's it. Here's, here's what I mean. I believe that persistent prayer moves the heart of God. And I'm gonna try to qualify that a little bit later on in the sermon. So don't judge what I just said too harshly yet. Take it for what it is. Persistent prayer moves the heart of God. There's all kinds of other things to say about prayer, but this is what he's teaching the disciples here. Number two, persistent prayer is always honoring to God. You see, what Jesus is really saying here is that persistent prayer doesn't really bother God. <laughs> doesn't bother him. And sometimes he's even moved by it all the time he is honored by it. The fact that you ask and you ask and nothing happens and nothing happens and nothing happens and you ask some more and ask some more and ask some more and you keep coming back doesn't really bother God. You're not pestering him. You're not annoying him. In fact, he is honored by it. And so when we go to God in prayer, we surrender to him. We surrender to his will, of course. We tell him what we need. And then he might say, don't quit asking. Keep asking. Because persistent prayer has the potential of moving the heart of God and it's honoring to him. Now I want you to listen how Jesus interprets it in verse nine, just in case he is saying, you missed it the first time. Listen to verse nine. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. In other words, there's something rather mysterious about asking and seeking and knocking but he wants you to ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock and not give up. That's what he's saying. Jesus is saying, because you asked me how to pray, I'm telling you, just keep coming back because God is moved by your persistence. If you still didn't understand, Jesus said, I'm gonna give you another way of thinking about it. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened to him. Persistence moves the heart of God. Persistence is honoring to God. Persistent prayer will also be effective. I believe that when we pray persistently, that God will do something every time because Jesus said that if you ask, you're gonna receive something. And if you seek, you're going to find something. And if you knock, a door is going to be open to you. And if you think about it, 
This is perfectly consistent with everything else that we've said about prayer so far. Because when you latch onto something and you say, I'm not gonna give up, do you know what you're really saying to God? You're saying to God, you're the great God who is able to do this. And God, I think this is your will and I'm committed to your will and I'm gonna keep asking you to do this thing because I'm surrendered to your will. And we're acknowledging our dependence upon God by saying, God, I recognize that if you don't do this, it's not gonna get done. And if you don't bring him back, he's not gonna come back. And if you don't heal that relationship, it's not gonna happen. And if you don't provide for me, it's not going to happen. And that's why I'm asking because I'm dependent upon you because if you don't move, it's not going to happen. And God says, oh, I'm happy with that. I like that. I'm, I'm honored by that. And I might do something about that. Keep asking. And so here's the question that I have for us today. What is it that you are so diligent in praying about that every time you come before the Lord, you're so locked in on it, that you're so burdened about it, you're so concerned about it, that every time you come to the Lord in prayer, you bring it back up to God? Or are your prayers just sort of in and out, in today, out tomorrow, the job, the kids, the food, in Jesus' name, amen. Is there anything that you're so passionate about that you refuse to stop asking and seeking and knocking on heaven's door? If, you, if not, you're missing. You're missing an opportunity to see God do something great in your life and, and you're missing the opportunity to see God do something great in this world. Jesus could have talked about a dozen different things about prayer. But he decided to focus on this one. And so when you pray, don't give up. And when you ask, keep asking. And just because heaven is silent, it doesn't mean anything. Just keep asking. And just because nobody comes to the door, keep knocking on the door. And just because you haven't found it yet, keep asking. Seeking because if a hesitant king, now listen to this, if a hesitant king and a grumpy friend are willing to give what is needed, how much more does a loving God want to give to you and me? Now let me add one important lesson to remember in all of this. As I said earlier, Prayer is a multifaceted thing, and you can't cover it all in one sermon, but in, the, it, but in being persistent in prayer, you need to hear this. In being persistent in prayer, we are not insisting that God should answer or give us anything. Now, that's important. Because the purpose of prayer is not just to demand a response from God, but to get a hold of God himself. Sometimes, you know, we're looking for God to do earth-shaking and miraculous things when we don't realize that God is already at work in our everyday events. 
And what our prayers really ought to be doing is to refocus our attention on what God is already actively doing. Furthermore, our persistence doesn't necessarily mean that we get the answer right away. We might not see the answer for months or years or even in our lifetime. But in our prayers and in our seeking God, we realize that Romans 8.28 really is true. That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, God is always at work. And we need to accept his sovereign rule in everything, even when we don't see the answers that we're looking for right away. And sometimes God's answers are mysterious. And sometimes, listen, sometimes he guides us to readjust our requests to be more in line with his will. And the more we ask, the more we seek, the more we knock, the more we're able to hear the mind of God to say, no, you're not asking the right way. You're not seeking what my will is. You're not knocking on the right door. I need you to be persistent so that you give me time to help you to come to terms with what you're asking for. But still, we never give up. Listen, until God changes us or God changes the person or God changes the circumstance because this is what is pleasing to God. And in it all, the goal is to find him. Let's pray. Lord, I can only imagine this morning there are many people here who have been praying for weeks, months, or even years over a burden they have. They have a loved one who needs to know you. They have a child who has strayed from you and needs to come back. There's a broken relationship. There's an illness. There's a need of some kind, and they, and they keep asking you about it, and I pray that in the midst of their prayers, the Lord, they'll find you. I pray that as they pray, they will begin to see you at work in ways that they never imagined could be possible. Open their eyes to see that, and may they not become weary in prayer, but that by faith believe that you are already working everything out for their good because you are a loving and a faithful God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.